0: Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.
1: <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only
2: $799. I am pleased to report that the party executive has now endorsed the proposals that I have put to them. The party has concluded that subject to The binding commitments between the Democratic Unionist Party and the UK government being fully and faithfully delivered as agreed, the package of measures in totality does provide a basis for our party to nominate members to the Northern Ireland Executive, thus seeing the restoration of the locally elected institutions.
1: Stormont is coming back. Sir Geoffrey Donaldson's convinced the majority of the DUP it's time to get back to work. The early morning announcement followed a dramatic and bizarre evening of secret meetings, social media leaks, and protests.
3: The DUP leader, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, has been briefing the party's executive members tonight on a possible deal to restore Stormont. The location was meant to be a secret, but protesters gathered outside Larchfield Estate in County Down. And the Loyalist blogger Jimmy Bryson tweeted out what he claimed were detailed updates from inside the room.
1: Jamie Bryson appeared to be giving a blow-by-blow account of the supposedly secret meeting on Twitter, while also accusing Donaldson of betrayal and surrender. It doesn't even go close uh, to meeting any of the DUP's seven key tests, and far be it from actually the move in the Irish Sea border as a condition precedent that actually
2: ensures that the Irish Sea border stays with all its full force.
1: But Sir Geoffrey says he's been given a decisive mandate to restore power sharing.
2: Significant further advances have been achieved, and the details of the new package will be published by the UK government in due course.
1: So, is it brave leadership or a climb down on Geoffrey Donaldson's part? Who's Jimmy Bryson's mole? And could they actually have been wearing a wire? To discuss this political breakthrough and the frankly bizarre circumstances in which it happened, I'm joined by John Tong, political commentator and lecturer at the University of Liverpool. I'll also be speaking to our security correspondent, Alison Morris. John Tong, I mean, I had some serious questions to ask you, but I I have to start off. Have you ever seen the like of this?
4: No, it was a farcical drama. Um, from the moment that I saw Jamie Bryson's X stroke uh, Twitter account, where he said Jeffrey Donaldson is about to speak, I thought, "Oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> he's surely not going to be live tweeting this." And lo and behold, he was uh, live tweeting that for a good hour uh, from there on, um, and it was almost sort of Keystone Cop stuff. In terms of the DUP security, as they were demanding that phones were off, uh, they demanded a sweep of the room, uh, and yet there was nothing they could do. Uh, basically, Jamie Bryson had someone wired up in there, and without a body search at the start of the meeting, there was nothing that anyone in that meeting could do. I did think I did wonder at one point whether the meeting might be called off because of the leak, but I think probably sensibly they decided to go ahead and uh, and go for it regardless. Some of the
1: figures that we have seen coming out in terms of the votes from the DUP officers meeting and the executive meeting, they are quite close, John. They are quite close. Is this is this a settled matter for the DUP or has Jeffrey Donaldson still got very big problems? And that's setting aside any humiliation at the hands of Jimmy Bryson.
4: Yeah, I mean it was almost inevitable the votes were gonna be close, seven five amongst the policy officers and around sixty forty 40 amongst the executive. If Jeffrey Donaldson had won handsomely, then almost certainly the figures would have been released. The, the closeness of the vote precluded that. Um, so it's true that Jeffrey Donaldson does not command all that he surveys. The question is whether that dissenting, let's call it forty percent of the party executive, um, continues to grumble from the sidelines, or whether they realise that life outside the TV, uh, sorry, outside the DUP, is, is rather bleak and that they've nowhere else to go politically i think jeffrey donaldson's lucky in one sense that it's a westminster election looming uh first past the post and frankly the other unionist parties don't have any chance at all in uh, the vast bulk of constituencies and that's even if, if the tuv were, were to stand so let, and there's a doubt over that so you know it will be dup versus other party battles and that might get his supporters lined up behind them but of course there's a lot of water to flow under the bridge before we get to a Westminster election. I think the big question, the big immediate question for Geoffrey Donaldson is, has he sold it correctly or has he oversold it Rishi Sunak style or read the Windsor framework? If what Geoffrey Donaldson has said on the airwaves uh, today uh, and last night, uh, if what he said is correct, he's okay. So in other words, if there's no checks on goods going between Great Britain and Northern Ireland that remain uh, within Northern Ireland, then he has achieved a significant victory in terms of the Windsor framework. So as long as he's not oversold it, I think the dissenters will, will fall into line. If he has oversold it and the legislation that the UK government uh, introduces does not confirm all that, then I think he's still in trouble.
1: So it all depends on the, on the details of the deal.
4: Can you tell us anything more about the deal or, or would we just be speculating at this stage? Well, we know... There's going to be two elements to it. One is in terms of Northern Ireland's place in the UK internal trading market, uh, and there will be protections in terms of goods going from Northern Ireland to Great Britain. There'll be protections in terms of the level of divergence uh, in terms of uh, laws in the rest of the UK. Uh, What happens if they diverge from from EU laws? Because that would adversely affect Northern Ireland, potentially. And we know there's going to be some constitutional protections. I mean some of that legislation is to solve problems that frankly barely exist there isn't much of a problem in terms of northern Ireland to great britain trade the issue was always the other way uh, and in terms of the constitution in northern ireland well its place in the united kingdom is protected by by other laws um it depends upon the will of the people so you know to some extent it was a sledgehammer to crack a nut, uh, some of this legislation, but clearly Geoffrey Donaldson felt the need for that legislation to shore up Northern Ireland's place in the UK and to sell the deal to his own party. He's got more than many people would have expected, myself included, in terms of the legislation and above all, I think, the big significance is the change to the Windsor framework because previously we were looking at even the Green Channel. There could be substantial checks if the EU desired them on goods going between one part of the United Kingdom to another. So, it's, it's a big win for Jeffrey Donaldson. The problem is that not everyone sees things as a victory uh, within unionism sometimes. The Good Friday Agreement was opposed by a very, very substantial minority of unionists, including Jeffrey Donaldson, who didn't see it as a victory. Sometimes you, selling victory to a skeptical audience, which often the unionist population comprises, can, can be mighty difficult. And I think that's the position that Jeffrey Donaldson is in today.
1: In terms of Stormont, what happens next? Are, 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 Jeffrey Donaldson still has a job of work to do in, with regards to the deal and the DUP and his party regarding the details, which 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 will emerge in the days ahead. But we do expect to see Stormont back. There's no doubt about that.
4: Yes, yeah, Stormont is coming back. I'm pretty sure. Uh, The legislation has to be tabled and passed, according to Geoffrey Donaldson. That can be done pretty quickly because the Labour Party is not going to make trouble at Westminster. The legislation will sail through at Westminster. Uh, So it's a question, really, of internal party management within the DUP for Jeffrey Donaldson. There'll be plenty of DUP MLA's who'll be quietly pretty pleased at the restoration of their £55,000 a year salary. uh, And they'll be very glad to be back. Uh, within Stormont, not everyone will take take that view. But it's a question now of, of, of party management and you know making sure you haven't oversold the deal. also then the DUP has got a difficult decision about choosing portfolios. Of course, Sinn Féin has first pick in terms of ministries. Uh, I don't see all the parties rushing to take the health ministry, uh, given the the. Real difficulty uh, uh, confronting the NHS at the moment. But ultimately, you know, it's almost back to normal business. The problem, of course, is that normal business for Stormont uh, isn't good. 70% of the last seven years, uh, Stormont has been down. uh, The executive has been down. So, you know, going back to normal and imagining that everyone's going to live happily ever after... Is for the birds, but we're now looking at a situation where the DUP will be back arguing with Sinn Féin rather than arguing with fellow unionists. That's the scenario that that is just around the corner, unless something goes horribly wrong over the next few days.
1: John Tong, thank you very much, Alison. If I can bring you in at this point, Stormont's coming back. I have to admit it. I had begun to believe it wouldn't. Are you surprised that it's coming back?
3: There was a time when I thought this is finished, you know, Parsarna's done, and we need to look at a plan B. But over the past week or so, maybe two weeks, you could see the choreography was starting to kick in, was starting to take place. So, let's think about last week and Geoffrey Donaldson standing up and making, you know, the speech of a lifetime in the Commons, you know, attacking all of those who um he had, had claimed that he was about to sell out. He talked about how he'd been in the UDR, you know, that was his, you know, I was I was a hardline when you boys were in nappies type speech, you know, when he really gave it some. And you could see then he was trying to assert himself back as being, the, you know, the one true leader of the majority unionist party. We could see that he was trying to really assert himself and we know that the deal was in the really final stages because the NIO were, were telling people that. The details of that deal weren't being leaked out in the way that we have seen in previous negotiations. It was being kept very in-house. But we could see that Jeffrey Donaldson was working up to this meeting. Now, he then claimed... It wasn't a secret meeting, it was a private meeting. Is there a difference? I'm not really sure. And the location of that meeting, we know that there was an email sent out to executive members, about 130 members of the DUP party executive. It was sent out to them um, at the, the weekend and literally within minutes of it hitting their inboxes, it was leaked on onto Twitter. And so they were keen to try and restrict, I suppose, this. I was told that, that, that Larchfield, where it, it took place, Larchfield Estate, they hoped that the the, the uh, mobile phone signal is not great. They were <laughs> hoping that that might help them. And also, some senior members were told where to go, but some of the other members of the executive were told to meet in a certain location and then they would be sort of follow a convoy to it. Now, as a girl of the 90s, this reminded me of going to a rave somewhere. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you, went, you went to a and you met some boy in a car and you all followed him to whatever underground This was clearly not a rave that these people were attending. It was a a very serious and sombre DUP meeting, or at least that's what Jeffrey Donaldson hoped it would be. Within minutes of Jeffrey Donaldson standing up to speak, we had a live stream of what was being said coming through Jimmy Bryson's Twitter account. Um, Someone in that room was clearly licking him. Now, we know that a couple of times this was mentioned from the floor. Um, A couple of times people were asked to stop doing it They were questioned about why they were doing it. People's phones were looked at and they were checked. I think there was someone sweeping around the room to see if they could see anyone using their phone and sending messages. The DUP are now saying, oh, we think that someone was wearing a wire and transmitting this back. I just think this is all a little bit (laughs) elaborate. I think that more likely what's happened is that someone has had a second phone with them and had it on a call in a pocket or something like that. And then that's been getting transmitted back. And it was, you know, a blow-by-blow blow account. It was clearly very embarrassing for Jeffrey Donaldson because it shows not just the lack of discipline within his party is astounding. I mean, can you imagine something like that happening at a Sinn Féin private meeting? Even in an Alliance Party private meeting, The people are told in a meeting, put your phone away, this is private, this is for party members only. And the next thing you know, there's, blow-by-blow blow from one of your party leaders sort of biggest attractors, you know, that one of the people who is obviously challenged in all aspects of this deal. It wasn't, you know, a great moment for Jeffrey Johnson, but he did pull it back albeit very late on in the evening.
1: I, I, think, I think a secret meeting is a bad idea if you're in a party with such a culture of, of leakage as, as the DUP has in, <laughs> in, in, in recent years. I mean that in a...
3: I just say the, the word <laughs> leakage is just horrendous. It's a horrible <laughs> word, but they do lick like a rusty boat. I mean, they're just, they've always been known to be a party that leaks anyway. I mean, this is nothing new, but the sheer level of the leaking over the past few weeks has been astounding. And we know that the leaking is coming from not junior members of the party, but really, really senior members. But John Tong has said, and he's right, there's people in the DUP who would be happier being members of the TUV. They align politically in every single walk of life with Jim Allister, but they know they'd never get never get elected as a member of the TUV. So they stay in the DUP, albeit holding those views. And those people, I think, you know, are constantly on Geoffrey Donaldson's shoulder. He's seen as the more moderate wing of the DUP. But from a party leader point of view, I do think that it was embarrassing from him, that he's, I think he's hurt by it. I think that he's hurt the fact that people could be so disloyal within the party base because it is quite a small group of people.
1: We do understand, whoever this is, has to be, due to the nature of the leaks, due to the nature of things, that it must be someone senior in the party or some people senior in the party. That is very bizarre.
3: We don't know who that was. We don't know who it was that um, either wore a wire, carried a phone or whatever they were doing. But what we do know is we know who the people who are opposed... To a compromise deal, or well, we know who they are because they, they say it publicly. It's no big secret. We know Sammy Wilson isn't a big favour of compromise. He wanted the hardest of hard Brexit. He is the person that was seen, you know, sitting um in one of the the Commons restaurants with with Aaron Banks. You know, the bad boys of Brexit. He is one of the hardliners. We know that Nigel Dodds now in the House of Lords. He is one of the hardliners. I am told by DUP sources his wife is more hardline even than he is. Diane Dodds, a former minister. They are against any what they would see as a compromise on the specifically the union and the aspect of EU law. Carla Lockhart comes from a very hardline unionist constituency. It's very difficult for someone like her to do something that would then she would be accused maybe of you know this is a sellout, this is too a compromise too far. You know, I always say during the during the John Cree, um anniversary last year, I went down to report on that Orange Marcher. And I suppose, I mean, I come from a nationalist community. I suppose it doesn't really enter into my head a lot of times. But Carla Lockhart arrived, um, and there was hundreds of Orange men, and she she arrived, and she might as well have been, you know, a celebrity showing up the way that she was welcomed and treated by those, you know, ported down Orange men. So that is a constituency that she has to work with, and so she, I'm told, was you know, uh, was against any compromise. Um, he's not a party officer, but Paisley Jr. would clearly be against the compromise. We know that he has always spoken out in favour of of the hardest of, of Brexit and again was was friends with Aaron with banks and those those Brexit, you know, the Brexiteers of the most serious kind. Does that mean they're the people doing the licking? No, it doesn't, but it does mean that Jeffrey Johnson is trying to lead a very, very divided party. And that's that's not an easy thing. You can get this deal and he has got this deal and you know, for Jews to him, it wasn't the easiest thing to come across. But if what he's saying is right and there's now no checks on that green lane, that will have required a buy-in from um, the EU. So the NIO, the British government, must have went back to the EU and squared this off with them. If what he's saying is in the state, is in this state, the EU must have compromised and for a DUP leader to have brought the EU back to that point. You know, he could consider that a win. He really could. The problem is he can go they go back to Stormont and we we think this will happen fairly quickly so we'll see the nomination of a Speaker a First Minister and a Deputy First Minister fairly, fairly quickly within days and straight away we get back to business get that financial package get the public sector pay increases paid start trying to look at the state that the health service and public services are in that doesn't take away from the fact that here is a man trying to lead a very, very, very divided party two DUPs if if you like no matter what has happened, and you know he will take credit for this deal. His leadership was damaged by all of this. I mean, it has So, so to been.
1: you think he's weaker? He's managed to bring enough of the party across the line to get Stormont going again. To try and sell what the progress that he's made, and he does seem to have made some progress. Yeah. As I suppose the best he's going to get, or or, or even a victory. But you do think he's he's weaker now.
3: He was asked by our our very own nave Campbell, who. You know, stood stood there like a trooper until the early hours of of the morning, and he did say that you know leadership could be a lonely place at times. You know that he realised that along with it came a lot of criticism. He had received threats. He said that you know he's clearly not had the the easiest run of it. Political parties face battles with rival politicians, rival political parties. the The problems that Jeffrey Donaldson faces are internal.
1: Well, the TUV leader Jim Allister has said not one word of the Northern Ireland Protocol has been altered, and that means Northern Ireland remains under the EU's customs code, and that Great Britain continues to be regarded in law as a foreign country when it comes to trade. And obviously, Jamie Bryson has been talking to the media today, saying he says, you know, one of us is going to be made a fool off in the next few days. Whenever you know, it's either going to be him or or. Jeffrey Donaldson in terms of the detail of any any, any, the, any the problem
3: agreement. they always face, the DUP, is that Jim Allister is a former barrister and he goes through these things line by line every jot and tittle. You know, most people aren't going to read, you know, the section A um, be whatever you know of, of whatever act nobody really goes through it with a fine tooth comb um, but you do have these people who people like Jim Allister and Jimmy Rice who will go through every line of that to try and prove that you know they're right and nothing has been achieved Naomi Long the Alliance Party leader said this is basically Theresa May's deal. there's nothing here that wasn't available all those years ago and we could have had all this settled and up, up and working
1: Jeffrey Donaldson seems to have brought a majority of the party with him. But that dysfunctionality, that the depth of those splits, the depth of that dissatisfaction, I wonder, will we see something else emerging from the DUP? Or is it the fact that if they haven't joined the TUV by now, they never will?
3: Yeah, well, I I do think we're heading towards a general election. We know that. The problem that... That the DUP have always faced in some constituencies. So places like East Belfast. They need and they require, and they won't like me saying this in the sense they need loyalists and they need loyalist paramilitaries on their side. Because when we've seen a part where Peter Robinson had like a massive fallout in terms of some of those paramilitary figures, they lobbied against him. Um, they didn't come out and vote in the numbers that they usually would have. And that resulted in the first, for the first time ever, Naomi Long taking that seat albeit the next election, what do we have? A social investment fund, loads of money being pumped into community groups that had links to paramilitary and ex-prisoners. You know, that keeping people sweet in terms of of what they have to do. They do need those working-class loyalist votes in those constituencies. What could happen is you could see more either TUV or independent unionist candidates being running those and those sort of anti-protocol deal ticket. And that would be the ultimate test because I, I do think it would, you know you're not going to see a vast amount of any of those people getting elected, but it does something, which is, you know, even more dangerous, I suppose, to the union and unionism as it splits their vote all over the show. It could be dangerous in that way. Would Hardline Lawless want to split the unionist vote in that way? Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll see when the, the election is called. But I don't think that they're going to just go quietly into the night, to put it that way. We're still going to be hearing from those voices. I am of the. I am not of the opinion that we should just silence unhelpful voices you know because we don't like them I do think that they should be given not be given any more or any less you know um, credence than they deserve but there is clearly you know a section of loyalism who do have concerns about this we see those in those lucid talk polls that we do for the paper all the time you know it's not a myth they do have concerns about it hopefully those concerns have been met by this deal and maybe if people give that six months or so to bed in and, and settle in we'll see
1: Alison Morris thank you very much This episode of The Belltel was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, along with Graham Davidson. The assistant producer was Olivia Peden. The clips you heard were from the Belfast Telegraph and the BBC.
0: Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike.